Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Alex Arbach. Alex is the Senior Director of Wellness and Development for the Toronto Raptors. Alex joined the Raptors after serving as the Director of Clinical and Sports Psychology for the University of Arizona. Alex has worked with NCAA Division I schools in the Pac-12, ACC, Big 12, and Conference USA. This is the second of three episodes with Alex, and in this episode, we discuss how to move past thoughts, emotions, and feelings to take committed actions rooted in your values, leveraging the framework of acceptance and commitment therapy. If you're like me, it's easy to live in the past or the future and to chase unproductive and unhealthy thoughts. And so this podcast could be of great value to you. The tenets of what Alex is discussing today is the foundation for psychological flexibility, which is a concept I was introduced to by Dr. Peter Haberl. Alex does an amazing job of breaking this down and opening the door for a new way of thinking and behaving so you can continually live out your values. So now it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Alex, I was recently listening to a podcast and I heard you talk about acceptance and commitment therapy and I'd never heard of this before and I thought it was very interesting. Can you explain what this is and how we can implement this as average folks into our daily lives. For sure. Uh, I'm glad it resonated. And so acceptance and commitment therapy, or ACT as psychologists call it, is what we call a third wave behavioral therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy. So a lot of people who are familiar generally with psychotherapy and psychology have probably heard the term cognitive behavioral therapy. And at its core, acceptance and commitment therapy is an adaptation of that. And it really comprises six processes. So I'm going to give you all six, but then I'm going to distill it down into three to help make it a little bit more actionable. Okay. So the first is acceptance. And acceptance is just the idea that, you know, by and large, like humans are always feeling something, right? This old school model where like rationality wins out over how you feel. We just know biologically that's not true, right? And so using some level of acceptance, right? Being willing to sit with discomfort, working on um, not tolerating, but that's a word that we could use here, right? Like tolerating the discomfort, being with the discomfort, learning to feel your feelings essentially, Mm. turns out is a really functional way to live, right? Emotions connect us with other people. Um, They bring a sense of richness and depth to our life. But people have been sort of like coached Um, through media, through the way that we're raised, through all sorts of things, right? To minimize or discount the impact and the importance of things like emotions. And so acceptance is sort of the balance to that, right? Rather than suppress it, avoid it, push it away. Acceptance is about being with it. And then ultimately using that emotion as information to help you make a decision, to drive an action, to learn something, right? So that's one element of it. The second element is diffusion. And very similar to acceptance, diffusion is kind of like acceptance, but for our thinking, right? So diffusion is just the idea that the thoughts that you have, like you think about 80,000 thoughts a day, but you have the choice and some sense of control over what thoughts you choose to really give attention to and what thoughts you choose to sort of let go or not impact you. And so if people want to like try this at home, you know, pick some word like ketchup or bowl And just repeat that word over and over and over again for 30 seconds. And I'd venture to guess what you'll find is 
at about 30 seconds, that word will lose its sense of meaning. Like it'll just become a random sound. Hmm. And it illustrates sort of the limits of our thinking. But when we're in the moment, you know, we often take our thoughts really literally. And that sense that these are really like the truths that we need to hold on to is sometimes helpful, but oftentimes pretty problematic. And so the idea is like learning to flexibly choose between which thoughts are most important. That, that's one way you can sort of free yourself up to engage in your life more effectively, right? So like for me, if I'm using myself as an example right now, like, of course, everyone gets nervous when they come on a podcast. But to sit here and be thinking about how nervous I am, and if I'm going to screw it up, like that's not going to facilitate me performing well. The best thing I can do is just let that go and come back and re-engage with you and do my best, right? So mm-hmm. that's dimension two. The next two dimensions sort of go hand in hand. Um, one is what we'd call present moment awareness or present moment focus. And the other is the sort of like dense term that I'll try to distill a little bit called selfless context. And these two really interplay. So present moment focus is exactly what it sounds, right? It's bringing your attention to the here and now. And what people um, often struggle with, right? Like our brains pull us into the past and future about 48% of the time. It's a pretty natural human experience to have. But the more we can be here and now engaging with what's happening, one, the better we're going to perform, but two, the better our life is going to be, right? Like Mm. most stuff that we're thinking about in the past is rehashing problems. And most stuff we're thinking about in the future is worrying about something that's most likely not going to happen, right? If everything that happened, if everything we worried about happened, life would be like totally chaotic and we wouldn't (laughs) be able to manage, right? And so there's just this reality that like it plays an evolutionary function, but it's not actually helping you be your best. And then the second is what I've called selfless context, but what I really call like kind of the observing self, right? So everyone has this ability, um, especially if they work on it, to kind of step back from their internal experience and in a sense, see themselves, right? So you can kind of see that you're thinking about something or see that you feel something, but have a little bit of a sense of distance. And this observing self, which is often cultivated through something like mindfulness meditation, it's almost like if you imagined, you know, yourself as a container and your human experience, your physiology, your thinking and your feeling as elements inside that container, that's what this self as context is really about, right? It's like the idea that you as a person are the holder of your experiences, but you are not the same as your experiences, right? So it's as simple as doing things like, oh, I notice that I'm thinking about being nervous on this podcast versus I am nervous, which is like this deeply personal, Mm -hmm. internalized sense. And just that little sense of distance can often free us up enough to figure out like, gosh, is this something I really need to be putting time and attention into? Or is, is this something I can sort of let go? Right. And then the final two dimensions are your values and uh, what we would call sort of like, you know, basically behavioral commitment to those values, right? So do you understand what's really important to you, what your why is? And are you committed to those things, even when you're uncomfortable? And so if you get these sort of six components working for you, you end up with what psychologists have called psychological flexibility. And it turns out there's a ton of really good data that suggests that psychological flexibility might even be a fundamental aspect of human health, right? It's really interesting. There's a great paper written by a guy named Todd Cashdan, who distilled all the places that this psychological flexibility, you know, experience or dimension or characteristic, whatever you want to call it, impacts our sense of well-being. But if I was going to distill it down to those three things like I promised you, it would basically be 
open, right? Open to my internal experience, aware, aware of my internal experience and the people around me and engaged, fully present with my life, living out my values, doing the best I can. And if we can cultivate those sort of three dimensions, again, like the better we're going to be. Wow. This is phenomenal because I learned about uh, Dr. Peter Haberl is a good friend. He's a senior psych at the USOC. He was the first person I've ever heard talk about psychological flexibility and having present moment awareness so that you can take committed actions based on your values. And that's a game changer. And but it's something that you have to cultivate. I think that that it gets lost a lot of times. I love how you talk about being an observer of yourself and actually saying, do I really need to be nervous about, you know what I'm saying? Like giving yourself a little bit of that space. This is how long ago did acceptance and commitment therapy, when did it start appearing in the literature? Yeah, it kind of emerged like in the early 90s, but it really picked up steam, I would say, in like the mid 2000s when mindfulness became a really popular intervention for health and human performance. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason those two things are linked is, you know, at the core of this psychological flexibility um, characteristic, like if I was going to pick one thing to give you to do to build that capacity it would be mindfulness meditation, right? Because it touches on all these different things. And so I think it's not, um, it's not coincidental that those two things sort of became popular at the same time. And I think then, of course, you started to also, you know, have some really interesting studies that came out kind of like in the same ballpark that questioned or challenged a lot of what we thought was true about previous therapies, right? So like, you know, for a while, there was a lot of emphasis and there can still be an emphasis on changing your thinking or controlling your thoughts or even the act of thought stopping, right? Mm -hmm. And the reality is like, you have no conscious control over when you are going to think something like it's just going to happen to you. And you can try to stop your thinking. But, you know, for anyone at home who wants to experiment, right, you might have even heard this one, like, try, try not to think about a white bear. Like you're going to just be sitting there thinking about a white bear because you're going to be thinking, oh, don't think about a white bear. And there it is again, right? And the more that we have those kinds of like really interesting, you know, small but interesting effects come out, the more we're finding that actually like at the core of our human experience and at the core of this psychological flexibility, it's really about our relationships with ourselves, with others, with our thinking, with our feeling, with our physiology and moving flexibly between being like super bound to them, right? Like sometimes you want to harness that energy and sometimes you want to let that go. And so this is all just about empowering you ultimately as an individual to like choose what you want your relationship to be with yourself and then to leverage that for you to be the best that you can be versus feeling like you have to fight with yourself about some thought that you had because it might not be productive. So there's futility in trying to control your thoughts. The idea is to be aware (laughs) and then to be able to take concerted action based off of what you value. You have something you're in a discussion and you, I'm just trying to be realistic here. Like you get in a tense discussion with your colleague and you think something you're like, well, that's not what I'm going to do. You know what I'm saying? Like things are going to come into Mm -hmm. your head, you you know, and I think that's the, the human condition that I think that's freeing for people to know, Hey, it's normal to have thoughts that, that you wouldn't want the rest of the world to know about, right? If everybody knew, if there was a ticker tape going across the top of your head of everything you thought, <laughs> you'd probably be embarrassed. And that's normal. You have this uh, this amazing brain that's doing some crazy stuff. So 
I really appreciate you talking about this. This is something that I've been fascinated with lately, and I'm glad that we got to discuss it today. Thanks for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you'd like to support the show, please leave us a comment and review on whatever listening platform you are joining us from. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.